CSN International presents To Every Man an Answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1-888-827-5276. Again, that's 1-888-ASK-CSN. Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Hi, and welcome to Monday's edition of To Every Man and Answer as we start off this brand new week. Looking forward to answering some questions with all of you. And again, if you've been out sharing your faith and reading your Bible, you come across something you don't understand, or someone's asked you a question, you want to give them a good answer, hey, this is why we set this time aside every weekday afternoon to answer questions about the Bible from the Bible and whether it has to do with world politics, whether it has to do with uh, what we hear in church on Sunday morning or Saturday or whenever you get together. Hey, those are why we're here to tell you what the Word of God says, not a piece of a verse, but what does really Bible say about that particular topic? You know, so many cults today are formed upon just taking a verse, piece of a verse, or a couple of verses, and building a whole theology upon it. But what does the Bible really say about that topic? That's why Jesus said we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, not just the ones we like. And so if you've got a question you'd like to ask, it's that number to call again, 8888-ASK-CSN. And you can be part of the program today. We have some lines open so you're assured to get on if you call right now. Joining me today, special guest, featured CSN speaker that we have here on Sundays, if 5.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, Truth for Transformation, Dr. Timothy Brown, Radiant Church, Arden, North Carolina. Hi, and welcome, Timothy. Hello, Mike. Good to see you, Pastor Mike. Hope you're having a good day. Welcome to everyone listening to the show today. Yeah, appreciate your program. I think we've all heard it, especially if you listen to CSN very much. And um, so tell us, um, what uh, what uh, what does God have you teaching right now? Well, right now, we just finished the book of Revelation, so that was really exciting to go through the prophecy and, you know, see end-time events unfolding right before us. And currently, we're in the book of Nehemiah. Um, I pastor Radiant Church here in the beautiful mountains of Asheville, North Carolina, and so we are in the process of moving forward with a mission. So what better book than Nehemiah to talk about God using leaders to lead the people of God forward? Amen. So, so important in these days. Well, let's go ahead, go to the phones. We have Linda on the line in Sisters, Oregon. Hi, and welcome, Linda. Hi, you guys. God bless your ministry there. I love your show. I learned so much from it, and I get so blessed by you guys going back and forth on stuff and just giving us uh, new eyes to see. But thank you very much. How may we help? Okay, um, in Genesis chapter 32, 28, where Jacob is wrestling with that angel, and the angel yes. asks him his name, and then he gives him he gives him a new name, and it's Israel. So then mm-hmm. two chapters later in 35, nobody has been calling Jacob Israel up until God then says it in 35 verse 10. He says, and God said to him, your name is Jacob. He didn't ask him, which God knows his name. And it says, you shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. And thus he called him Israel. Why is the gap there? Well, we find that, and even uh, later in the scripture, you'll find that 
uh, God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, and, and not using that new name. But you got to remember, that new name was given to him by God. Now, again, he's going to be known by his former name to almost everyone. But the new name that God gives us, which he's going to give to everyone, the Bible says a new name. And I um, always sometimes wonder about that. What, what's going to be my new name in heaven? I don't know. But, you know, we oftentimes in a name, we label people. And this is one of the unfortunate things, uh, good and bad, because uh, you... you uh, will uh, associate an event with uh, uh, what what their name is, like Simon the leper, or, uh, you know, um, well, all the way through the Bible, as well as even today we find that uh, down through history. But I believe the name that was given to him by God, is that the way, that's the way God, first of all, r- recognized him, and the way that God currently sees him. Now remember, God sees us differently than we see ourselves. And I think that's very important when Gideon was down in the wine press, hiding from the Midianites because they would steal their grain. And as he would throw the, the, the uh, crunched up wheat and chaff into the, into the air, normally if you were up on the top, the wind would drive the chaff away, the lighter part of the wheat would come back, uh, the heavier part of the wheat would come back down in the in the hoop that they had strung skins across. He's in a wine press where there is really very little wind. And so not only was the chaff not being blown away, but probably it was very hot, probably sticking to him. But here's what's amazing. An angel appears to him and says, thou mighty man of valor. I'm sure, I'm sure Gideon looked around and says, who are you talking to? God sees us differently than we see ourselves. And I believe that's the significance in God changing Jacob's name from heel catcher or dirty sneaky thief or a a conniving one to one literally who wrestled with God and God now leads him. And so your thoughts on that, Timothy? Pastor Mike, you covered it really well. I would add to that, you know, it's it depends on the context of which names used. So God calls them Israel. And as you mentioned, it has to do with wrestling with God and overcoming. Whereas, as you mentioned, Jacob before is deceiver, manipulator, hill grabber. So I think it's a new name equals a new identity. And Mike, you said it so well that when we are in Christ, we have a new name. And so I think the application for us is that when you encounter God, he changes your name and that represents a new identity. And Paul says in second Corinthians that if anyone's in Christ, they are a brand new creation. The old is gone and the new is coming. So thank you for your call today. I just would encourage you that in Christ, we're a new creations. Reminds me of that old song, Pastor Mike, I've got a new name written in glory and it's mine. Amen. Amen. And, and, and though others may not recognize that new name, um, it still doesn't change the way God sees us. I hope that helps. Uh, Yes, and can I ask you real quickly also, why did the angel ask him what his name was? I think a lot of times God does that. It isn't that God had no clue what it was. I believe that sometimes we have to own up to what we are does the name match our character? 
And so um, if the angel was to say, what is your name, heel catcher? Well, we would know um, that, uh, yeah, I've, I've got quite a past. We remember Jacob uh, uh, buying the birthright from his brother Esau for a, for a, a cup of soup, mess of pottage, the Bible says. Uh, he was a heel catcher. That's what he was. And so I believe that's why we, we find these things the way they are. And I, I hope that answers it for you. That's a big help. Thank you, guys. God bless you, and keep up the good work, and I'll see you in the clouds, if not in heaven. Amen. Linda, stay in line if you like. We'll send you out the new uh, DVD we've got called Atheist Delusion by Ray Comfort. That's yours, as well as the movie Jesus and a little book called Time to Grow. I think you'll enjoy those, and stay in line. We'll get those out to you. Let's go to Susan, San Luis Obispo. Hi, and welcome. Hi, um, bless you both. I have a question wondering if you can direct me where, what to say to a friend that does not believe Jesus is God. If I could read you five sentences, maybe it will help. I've known Jesus for more than 30 years. Belief in Jesus and his sacrifice are the keys to heaven and to a relationship with God. All good. Jesus was a tool for God, a willing tool. Belief in Christ is essential, but Jesus is not God. Jesus was a man, a carpenter, the son of God. His faith is where his miraculous powers came from. God is where the power is. Jesus, through faith, drew on it himself, but Jesus isn't God. How do I well, then, him? well, first of all, then where is she getting her facts? First of all, that it's through faith or safe. Now she's talking like a, like a Jehovah's Witness right now, and that may be what maybe partially has influenced her in her life. But the Bible clearly tells us that Jesus Christ is God, and we find it in Matthew chapter one as an example. He shall be called Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. Then we find, of course, John 8, 58. Jesus said before, Abraham was, I am. Verse 8, 59 says, and they picked up stones to stone him. Why? Because he was claiming to be God, which was a capital offense. Capital offense meaning it required your blood to be shed for what you did. So therefore, they picked up the stones to stone him. And we find the deity of Christ everywhere, really, throughout the Bible. Whether we look, uh, even even in the Old Testament, we have pictures of this. God saying, I am Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end, first and the last. Yet when we go to Revelation chapter 1, Revelation chapter 22, we find Jesus Christ making that same claim, stay, same claim that he was Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end, first and the last. Your thoughts, Tim? Yes, Pastor Mike, that's great. Susan, thanks for the call. The question is very telling about your friend. and. I would first of all start by praying that God would open our heart because it's the Holy Spirit who reveals who Jesus is. It's kind of like when Peter, Jesus asked him, who do you say that I am? And he said, you're the Christ. And Jesus said, you didn't come up with this on your own. The father revealed it. But a few, a few things to add to what Pastor Mike said is I would say number one is prophecy. If you look at the Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah, there are more than 300 prophecies about Jesus is coming, his life, his ministry. 
And the fact that he fulfilled all 300 plus is evidence that, I mean, you cannot deny the prophecies. Um, Mike mentioned the New Testament claims of Jesus claiming to be God. So it's kind of like either Jesus was who he said he was, or he was crazy, or he was a con man. But as C.S. Lewis said, he's the Christ. He wasn't crazy. Crazy men don't change people's lives. He wasn't a con man because a con man wouldn't die for someone. I, I would also point to his miracles, that his miracles attested that he was who he said he was. And the biggest miracle, Pastor Mike, is his resurrection. The fact that Jesus yeah. defeated death in the grave and lived to talk about it. And scripture says that he appeared to more than 500 witnesses at one time. Uh, these are so many things. But Susan, one thing I would add to that just personal is your personal testimony that, you know, I know that he lives not just because scripture says that's the number one reality, but also I experienced the presence of Christ living in me through the power and the person of the Holy Spirit. It's like the old hymn, I know he lives because he lives in me. So I hope that it's some encouragement to you, Susan. And as Pastor Mike said, keep pointing your friend to the word of God. And that's where the power is in the word of God. Yeah, Jesus uh, very clearly um, never never minced words on who he was. Um, and And to say that he's just a tool, well... Maybe you might say he's an amazing power tool then. But the problem is, is that when you deny the deity of Christ, and, and you'll find two things that go hand in hand with all the cults and bad doctrine. Number one, Jesus Christ is not God. Uh, Jesus uh, was was a tool used by the Father, or he was Michael the archangel, or he was um uh, one of the greats, Buddha, Muhammad, Jesus, um, we're all Jesus as I'm Jesus, you're Jesus, you know, when you get into your Middle Eastern religion. Um, but the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the only Son of God. And this is extremely important to understand, because as he took on human form, he set aside his, you might say, his godliness. Not that he still was not God, but that he was veiled in a human body. And this is where I think a lot of people have a, a lot of trouble with that. But he was God. And so understanding that this idea that uh, that um, the Jesus is somebody other than God incarnate here on this earth, God the Son, is, is heresy. Now, the number two, there is no hell. Uh, hell is a beautiful place, I've heard. Uh, I, I've, I've heard people say, hell is simply annihilation. There's no such thing as hell. Uh, hell is a, a, a just a figment of your imagination. None of those are true. Jesus spoke 11 times about hell in the Gospels. It's a real place. And then when we go to the book of Jude as an example, it says those that don't repent will suffer the vengeance of eternal fire forever. So the idea of annihilation is not biblical. So two things, Jesus Christ is not God to the cults, and hell is not eternal or doesn't even exist at all. Susan, I hope that helps. Um, Yeah, I think I'm just going to have to advise him to read the Old Testament. He says he's only read the New Testament, and like I said, he says Jesus is the Son of God, but he uses a lowercase s. 
and he doesn't believe. Yeah, but that's that not what the Bible. That's not what the Bible says. As an example, in the book of Job, the sons of God stood before the Lord, presented themselves, and uh, Satan was there among them. Now, that is a little s there. However, if you go to John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son, capitalized. And that is coming across either in the Hebrew or in the Greek, depending Old or New Testament, to determine deity. And so understanding that is so important. Now, I'm going to send you a a uh, a couple of things that I think will be helpful. Atheist delusion, which is going to be very helpful because in atheism, they also deny that Jesus Christ is God. Um, they deny a lot of, a lot of things. So when you have the evidence as an example to convince an atheist, you're going to also have the evidence you need to convince somebody in the cults or in their own, um, wrongful conclusions that Jesus was just a glorified man. So I'll get those out to you, Susan. Thank you. Stay online. We'll get that to you, as well as the movie Jesus, a little book called Time to Grow and God of Wonders, which I think will really, really speak to your friend uh, greatly. Susan, thanks so much for the call, and may the Lord just give you the right words to speak to him in Jesus' name. Let's go to Brian, Portland, Oregon. Hi, and welcome. Hi, Pastor Mike. My question is in Revelation chapter 20 where they're speaking of the judgment, it says all unbelievers will be judged due to their works. And I was wondering if somebody that was a good person that is unrepentant would receive the same punishment in the lake of fire as, say, a murderer who has not repented. Well, you know, this is an ongoing question. Jesus spoke that there would be some beaten with many stripes and some with few. Now, it's all eternal separation from God. It's all a lake of fire. It's all punishment. But it does appear that people will will give an account of their life. Now, giving an account, as you're mentioning there in Revelation chapter 20, may very well be that because they died without their sins being forgiven, and this is the judgment, that in those deeds that they did may very well be at different times the Holy Spirit would move on them to repent from their wickedness, and they refused. And thus they will have an eternal separation, eternal punishment from God. Again, going back to the book of Jude chapter 20. Uh, excuse me, Jude, uh, and I, I'm trying to think which verse it is, 17 maybe, uh, where it says they'll suffer the vengeance of eternal fire forever. So, uh, that is one. Number two, if there is degrees of punishment, which I know many good uh, biblical pastors believe in that, it's all going to be eternal separation. It's all going to be punishment. It's all going to be hell. But it very well could be. Some will be beaten with many stripes and some with few. May very well be what that is talking about. Now, uh, Tim, you might have a different different idea on that. What's your what's your take? Yes, well, Mike, I would I would concur with what you're saying. And there's so many passages, like the one you quoted in Luke 12 about the servant who knew his master's will and did it will be judged differently than the one who didn't. So, I think the bottom line is all of us deserve punishment because the Bible says the wages of sin is death. So it's by the grace of God we escape it. 
and that's through faith in Christ. So none of us want to be judged by our works because even at our best, Scripture says our righteous deeds are like filthy rags. So that's why we we present the gospel to every man, woman, student, and child because we don't want anyone to be judged by their works. But to answer your question, will there be levels of judgment? Um, I believe so because we're judged by what light we have. So the person in a third world country that had lesser knowledge, um, it, it, there'll still be separation from God, but they'll be judged by what light they have. But the good news I want to present to you is that God is revealing himself. He does through scripture. He does through creation. He does through history. And if you respond to the light that God gives, he gives further light. So the book of Romans says we're without excuse because God has given a witness of himself to every person who's ever lived. So an example I'd like to give is you think about the Magi, you know, they didn't have the knowledge that we had, but God sent a star. And as they followed the general revelation of the star, it led them to, to Jesus. So I would say, you know, looking at revelation and prophecy and people say, what about those who've never heard? How are they going to be judged? Well, God is revealing himself to everyone and everyone has to accept Christ. And the good news is God is going to continue to reach out through people all around the world. And that's why we send missionaries. That's why we preach the gospel because we want everyone to accept Christ. So that way the judgment is already taken care of as far as eternity. I hope that helps, Brian. Uh, it does. And quickly, could you give me some scripture that I could further reference on this? Okay, your thoughts, Tim. Yes, the passage that Mike quoted earlier is Luke chapter 12, and that's verses 35 through 48. So Luke chapter 12, verses 35 through 48. Thank you so much, and God bless, and God bless your listeners. Well, thanks so much, Brian. And again, the Bible says, to whom much is given, much is required. And again, it may be very well that that in that judgment, it just simply showed them without any doubt that they, in fact, did sin, did come short of the glory of God. They did not accept the provision to have their sins forgiven and will suffer eternal judgment for it. Brian Saline will send you out some books, some DVDs. I think you'll really enjoy. God bless you. Thanks so much for the call. Let's go to Peter. Sitka, Alaska. Hi and welcome. Hello, thank you for um, all that you do. And my question is, um, when we get to heaven and we find that there's not loved ones there that we expected to see and they're not there, friends and loved ones, family members, et cetera, um, what's the Bible um, or what's your answer to that question? Well, the Bible says... um, when we see this cataclysmic judgment going on on the earth and we're going to be in heaven, we're going to be a lot more aware of everything right and wrong. What pleases God, what doesn't when we're there than we are here. Now you'll find a phrase that's repeated often in revelation. And I believe this is a key in the answer to your question. People say, well, how could I enjoy heaven knowing my mom or my dad or my brother or my sister, my best friend is in hell burning forever? And all I can say is what the angel said. As these cataclysmic judgments are breaking out on the earth, true and righteous are your judgments. In other words, 
will have God's perspective. Yeah, they are severe. Yeah, it is hurtful. But at the same time, we understand that they made the decisions that they made. And I believe we will see the rebellion that was in their heart as to position them in opposition to God. And so because of that, then what we have is we'll have that heavenly understanding as the angels have, and truly we'll be able to say, as we see these judgments against people that we loved, true and righteous are your judgments. I believe that really it breaks God's heart to see any person go to hell. And they go there by their own choosing. That's why Jesus died on the cross. He made a provision for them that they would not have to go and be punished eternally. But because they have chosen to be in rebellion and to be in rebellion to our husband in heaven, we're his bride, that I think the love that we have for Jesus will override any other love that we have and truly will be able to say true and righteous are your judgments, your thoughts. Amen. I would add to that. And I would say that it's perspective, as Mike said, that, you know, scripture says in first Corinthians 13, that we know in part, but one day we're going to know fully as we're fully known. So I would say it's kind of like the analogy, someone's drowning in a house that's being flooded and they're praying for God to rescue them. And and all of a sudden someone comes by and knocks on the door. Hey, come out. They're like, no, no, I'm waiting on God. And then the boat comes by. No, no, I'm waiting on God. And then the helicopter comes and like, no, I'm waiting for God to rescue. And finally the person dies and stands before God in this fictitious story. And like, what's the deal? And God's like, I sent all these people to rescue you. And you said, no. So as pastor Mike so well said, I think that God's giving everyone a chance to be saved and hell wasn't even created for humans. Initially it was created for the devil and his angels. So the fact that people go there is because they spurn God's grace and they rejected the free gift of salvation found in Christ alone. So when we get to heaven, there will be a time when there will be no more tears where they'll be wiped away. But prior to that, I think God will give us this understanding after, after we see him face to face that we'll have an understanding that God gave that loved one every opportunity to be saved. But unfortunately, if they reject it, it's going to be on them and not on God's grace. And you'll find that verse in Revelation 16, 7. So I hope that helps. And with that, we're coming up on a break, everyone. First, very fast first half hour, but this time is always the shortest hour of the day. 8888 Ask CSN's the number call if you want to be part of the program, and we'll be back for more right after this. We'll be right back. After taking the morning after pill, this mom immediately felt sick and nauseous as she tried to end her pregnancy. While searching for medical care, she found a preborn network clinic where she hoped to rule out that she was pregnant. I had an ultrasound done right then and there. After hearing the baby's heartbeat, I instantly thanked God and said, may your will be done, Lord. I'm seven months pregnant now. I thank God every day for my little miracle. Preborn is the largest provider of free ultrasounds in the country, introducing moms to the life growing inside of them and sharing the gospel in action. When a mother meets her baby on ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, she will choose life 80% of the time. And Preborn doesn't stop there. They offer mothers maternity clothes, doctor visits, and 
and the help they need to choose life. To learn how you can help rescue a baby's life, go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Or call 855-668-BABY. That's 855-668-BABY. All gifts are tax deductible. You know, these days, so refreshing to get some good news about how to pay for health care, especially if you're 65 or older, you know just how brutal costs can be. Well, MediShare now has a new option for you. It's called MediShare 65 Plus. And MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's healthcare bills. And it really is a community too. People encourage and pray for each other. If you've got Medicare Parts A and B, MediShare 65 Plus fills in those gaps where Medicare stops. It's a great way to fight inflation too, because it starts at only $99 a month for up to 10 years. And it's easy. You can use any Medicare-approved doctor or get 24-7 telehealth access, prescription savings, dental and vision savings. Just very worth looking into. MediShare 65 Plus is taking applications now. And if you call with the promo code SHARE before January 31st, your second month will be free. Call 833-90-SHARE. That's 833-90-SHARE. 833-90-SHARE. I want to welcome you back to part two of Jeffrey Man Answer here on this Monday with Dr. Timothy Brown from Radiant Church in North Carolina. His program here on CSN, Truth for Transformation, Sundays at 5.30 p.m. Mountain Pacific, or excuse me, Mountain Time. Uh, and um, uh, we're glad you're with us, Timothy. I'm your host, Mike Kessler. And we're going to go back to the phones. We have Peter on the line, Sitka, Alaska. Hello, thank you again, and um, I, that was a confirmation because that's kind of the way I think already. It's like, I mean, people make their decisions, so it's like I just, I guess, needed to hear it from the Bible. I don't know where to find it, but thank you so much. Yeah, I believe we're going to have corrected vision spiritually when we get to heaven, so we will answer the way the angels do True and righteous are your judgments, because what breaks out on this earth during the tribulation period, this seven-year period of time, God deals with the nation of Israel one last final seven-year period of time and deals for seven years with a God-rejecting world are cataclysmic. I mean, they are bad. In fact, the Bible says it's never been this bad on earth. It will never be this bad ever again. That's how bad it is. This idea of the dawning of the age of Aquarius. The the world, as John Lennon said, will be as one, is going to be literally hell on earth. It is not the uh, utopian dream that the one world order and all are trying to present this to the masses. This is going to be hell on earth, everyone. And like I tell everybody, don't buy their chili. If you're left behind, I have only one thing to tell you. Don't take the mark. That's so important. That's why the Bible says today is the appointed day of salvation. Stay in line, Peter. We'll send you out some books, some DVDs. So important in the days that we live in. And uh, share them with your friends. I think you'll enjoy it. Let's go to Lisa, Napa, California. Hi and welcome. Hi. Hello. Hello. Hi. Sorry about that. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. How may we help? 
Oh, hi. Thank you so much. There's a, a emergency vehicle going by. So sorry. So my question was it actually a part question and part comment from last week. Um, somebody had called in about the um, the Mardi Gras parade, and my my question was actually. Um, I just wanted to find out whether or not um, you guys agreed, but I kind of felt compelled just to call back because, um, you know, I understand, you know, the Mardi Gras parade. I understand outreach and trying to reach people, but um, it's kind of like the saying goes, we're not in Kansas anymore. And the Mardi Gras parade um, typically depends on where they are, but they've gotten really risque. So my question is, um, Knowing that, is it really safe to put yourself and or other Christian members that are, um, you know, though we may have spiritual eyes, um, clearly we're, you know, we are men and women and we have um, not the same powers that Jesus has. Um, So to put ourselves in those kind of arenas are sometimes, I think, um, not very smart. And I think um, I'm just kind of wondering if, um, you know, what you guys feel on that, because like I said, yeah, we could do outreach, but my, my opinion would be maybe do it on the outskirts, maybe not where all the, you know, everything is happening um, because they, they are the parades of nowadays, even the, you know, um, gay parades and things like that. They're, they're not the parades of back in the day. They are very, very, um, you know, Risque, so. Yeah, they're wicked. They're they're flat out wicked. But here's the point, and I think this is what's important, Lisa, and, and to just answer this. I believe you have to be spirit-led no matter what you do. That's why I believe when we get up in the morning, today's your day, Lord. Open, close the doors according to your will. Have me go where you want me to go. Keep me from where I'm not supposed to go. Am I saying every Christian should go down there and Mardi Gras parade and have a float? No, I'm not saying that. But if God inspires somebody to do that, I'm going to be the last one to say, oh, no, don't go evangelize to the heathen. No, Jesus said the sick ones are the ones who needed the doctor. And in fact, interestingly enough, Jesus got in trouble for hanging out with the publicans and the sinners. They actually, the Pharisees said, why do you hang out with the publicans and the sinners? I mean, they're filthy, they're vile, they're sneaky, they're, they're sinners, they're terrible. And Jesus said, the sick ones are the ones who need the doctor. So you never know how God may be leading somebody. And maybe, very true, Lisa, maybe God wouldn't lead you or maybe me into a situation like that. But at the same time, I think of, I think of, of, um, uh, some of the people down through, uh, our, our, Arthur Blessed, who used to carry his cross all over, and um, Barry McGuire uh, came out of Whiskey-A-Go-Go on Hollywood Boulevard. Now, everything inside of Whiskey-A-Go-Go was probably very similar to what you'd find going on in a Mardi Gras, uh, a Mardi Gras parade. I mean, it, it, it's, not a, it's not a place for Christians at all. But he, he came out of there, and, and here is Barry McGuire chained to a cross, and he said he just started listening to what he had to say. I knew a guy named Charles McFeeders. Uh, he had a ministry called Hope for Hollywood. Hollywood's lost everybody. It's a disaster. 
when you look at the movies, when you look at, at what they think is funny, it's terrible. Charles McFeeder used to go into Whiskey A Go-Go. The band would sit down uh, to take a break, and McFeeders would walk up on the stage of Whiskey A Go-Go. Well, the management thought he was part of the band. The band thought he was part of the management. So Charles had an open platform and he'd get up on the stage and say, how many people here are having a good time tonight? And they'd all, yeah, 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 yeah. How many people here like parties? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and he would just work the crowd until finally he'd say, you know, you got to know the right person to get in this party I know about that's getting ready to uh, last forever. How many people think that's a good idea? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I know the person you need to get in and only can through him will you get into this party. And, and so he said, his name is Jesus and I'll be out on the sidewalk. If you want to uh, talk to me more about it, hang the mic back up, call the band back up and run literally to the door. A lot of people were saved that way. What I'm saying is how God uses people in very unique situations and sometimes in very dark circumstances, people are saved. And so whether it's it's um, Ray Blessed hanging out in front of Whiskey A Go-Go and a cross, Charles McFeeder going inside Whiskey A Go-Go and ministering the gospel, but people like Barry McGuire, who sang Eva Destruction when he wasn't even a Christian in the mid-60s, became a person that really, really stood up in his relationship with God. And so I, I see this, I see the fruit in it, and again, a lot of people may be on the edge saying, is this really cool? I mean, yeah, everybody's doing this. but And then all of a sudden, here's a ray of light in the whole place. Your thoughts, Tim? Yes, Pastor Mike, that was very insightful. Elisa, I would say, first of all, I commend you for your question. I think that it's a very insightful question. It tells me a lot about you that you want to share the gospel, but you don't want to do anything compromising. So I appreciate your heart with that. I would also add uh, Paul's strategy in 1 Corinthians 9. He said, you know, to the Jew, I became like a Jew so I could win the Jew. To those without the law, I became like those without the law, yet I still had a law to Christ. So basically, at least at the bottom line is the gospel never changes, but your methods have to change in order to reach the people. So I think Mike said it very well that we'd never want to do anything to compromise what God's leading us. But God does call some people to go in very hard situations and he gives them special abilities to overcome temptation and, and different things. And they become a missionary in the moment. So I think for all of us, whether we're called to go in situations like Mardi Gras or not, we can pray. That's one thing we all can do. I think we can use digital technologies like social media. Um, and you know, God can send certain people to impact those lives. So just make that, make that commitment that we're going to get the gospel to as many people as we can. And if we don't feel called to a certain situation, that's okay. Pray for those who are called to go in those difficult situations. Thank you, Lisa. Lisa, I hope that answers it for you. It does. It does. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm just, like I said, it's, it's just scary nowadays because I hear different, you know, and I'm not just speaking of pastors in this arena, but there's all over. And you just hear of people going into places like, you know, oh, we went to the beach. We went here. We went there. Um, it, it's just so bad right now. I literally went to a memorial and, um, you know, I've told this story to a friend not too long ago, but I was at a memorial and it was done at a lake. It was very beautiful. And um, 
I look over and there's a girl wearing a thong walking by and I'm thinking, my goodness, you know, definitely not in Kansas anymore. Um, so it's just, I know how slippery of a slope that is. Um, not that I know personally, um, but I have read enough. I have seen enough. I have heard enough. And I just know how um, crafty that, you know, the devil is. And I guess my next question would be, if you are being called from God to go into or to be around those areas, like gyms nowadays and things like that, because girls don't dress the way they used to. And obviously there's more to see there than there would be, you know, um, uh, with the opposite sex. But how would one know if you're being called by God um, to go? How do you know if it's really God or if it's just something that you want to do? How would you differentiate that? Well, I, I, I think when God shows us the need, Paul at Mars Hill, he said, I see you're all very religious people. You have all these statues to your gods. You have one here to the unknown God. This is the one I want to talk to you about. Now, they could have stoned Paul at that point uh, because he was bringing new doctrine to their ears. But I believe it's where there is a pure motive involved. Now, many people do things, whether it's tithe in the offering or uh, whatever it might be, to be seen of men or from some selfish point of view. Uh, that's a dangerous place to be. But if you really, your heart's really for the lost in the New York, New Orleans Mardi Gras and things, then I believe God will direct you to do what you need to do to do that. And it may be different in every situation. Well, in other words, what God told Timothy to do is different than what God uh, told uh, Paul to do. We, we have to understand that it isn't one shoe fits all. That's why we're all, uh, we all look different. That's why we all act different. And no one's ever been on this earth like you ever before. No one will ever be like you on this earth after you leave. So God's unique ministry and callings and equippings for each individual will prepare them to either have a have a Christian float in a Mardi Gras parade or whether to be a Sunday school teacher in a quiet town in Nebraska. We all have different callings. And I want to be real careful that, well, real Christians wouldn't just set back and teach a Sunday school class in Nebraska. They'd be out on the world evangelistic stage. Or the same way, well, I don't see how somebody can be a Christian and try to witness to um, people in a very sinful situation. We have to be, I think, very careful of those kinds of things, because if we're not, I think we can, we can, we can stifle what God wants to do. So how do you know if God's calling you to do it? Well, first of all, if you have a pure heart, uh, God wanting you to do that, uh, I'll tell you something that's probably not something I, let me put it this way. You go into a store, and you're in the store, and all of a sudden you have this unction as a Christian to go walk up and pray for somebody. Well, I, 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 I that, that can't be me. That's the devil. Well, first of all, I can guarantee you the devil's not motivating you to go up and pray for somebody. Number two, well, maybe I just feel sorry for that person. Maybe it's me. By nature, we don't care. By nature, we're selfish, the Bible said. It's the Holy Spirit in us that compels us to reach out to the lost. And so if I feel an unction to walk up and pray for somebody, I can pretty much guarantee that's from God. I think it's the same way in no matter what ministry we have. And I've talked to missionaries all my life, 
And they said, I just knew that I wanted to go to this place more than anything else. And this is where I wanted to go. And they end up going. And that's where God, in fact, put it on their heart, even when they were a child, to go be someplace as a missionary. So I don't know exactly how that all works. But I know the invisible, wonderful Holy Spirit moves us where he wants us to be. Timothy, any last thoughts? Yes, thank you, Mike. Very well said. Uh, Lisa, I would add, I want to give you two passages just to look at on your own. It's Romans 12, 1 through 2, and also Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. So in Romans 12, you ask the question, how do we know God's will? It basically says that if you have surrendered your life, like you're sold out to Jesus, as Mike mentioned, and basically you're letting your mind be renewed daily. In, in verse two of Romans 12, it says that if you're transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will understand what is God's good, acceptable and perfect will. So how do you know God's will? It's by being daily surrendered, daily renewing your mind. And then to add on what Mike said about those situations, when God calls you out, make sure you go in the full armor of God. That will be your battle suit. Paul says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So Lisa, it's not your strength. It's not my strength. It's not Pastor Mike's strength. Whenever we witness, whenever we step out in faith, we're putting on the armor of God and going out in his name. So I think just to summarize, you know the will of God by just being surrendered, by prayerfully asking God to show you. If you read the book of Nehemiah, I'm doing a current sermon series. He prayed for four months before he went and approached the king. So I would encourage you to bathe it in prayer. And as you pray, the peace of God will transform your mind. He will give you the green light, whether to go or the red light to stop or the yellow light to slow down. So I hope that helps you, Lisa. Thank you for an insightful question again. Amen. Lisa, I hope that helps. And if you'll stay on the line, I'll send you out Atheist Delusion DVD. I think you'll enjoy that. The movie Jesus, as well as Time to Grow. And um, I think you'll enjoy those. Stay on the line. We'll get those out to you, okay? Thank you. It does, because I, you know, I think about Lot, and I wonder, did he ask himself before he went to, you know, camp outside Sodom and Gomorrah? Was he, you know, I, I think back on that, so I just wonder, and I worry, because, you know, it is a slippery slope once again. And, you know, um, yeah, but it does help. Thank you so much. And, the, you know, the uh, atheist, uh, um, that that will definitely help. I have a friend who I'm working with right now and needs prayer for. So thank you so much. I appreciate you. Atheist Delusion and also um, God of Wonders. Those will get those out to you. Great for uh, evangelism. And uh, Lisa, God bless you. Let your light shine. Let's go to Carol in Austin, Texas. Hi, welcome. Hi, how are you? Good. How may we help, Jeremy? Um, yes, I have a question. Why is it that the Christians will use sometimes the a, a given name like Daniel instead of Belteshazzar, and then sometimes we'll use Esther instead of Hadassah? You know, I think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know, when I talk to my Jewish friends, they don't know who I'm talking about. Why is it that we do that? I, I don't know. I, I think that is just something that, that probably was probably easier to pronounce for most of us. Your thoughts, Tim? Yeah, you know, that's a very insightful question, Carol. And I would say that sometimes the Jewish people will use the Jewish name. And for those of us who are non-Jewish, we use the other name given in Scripture. So 
I think regardless of which name you use, as long as you know who you're referring to, uh, Daniel's definitely easier to say than his other name. I probably mispronounce it now. So I think it's, it's just a matter of, you know, who you're referring to. And as a previous caller mentioned that, you know, when someone becomes a believer, they are given a new name. And so I think that, um, for the New Testament believers, you know, Paul and Saul, why do we say Paul? Well, that was the new name that he gave them. I think for the Old Testament, sometimes it's easier to pronounce the other names mentioned, for example, in the book of Daniel. I hope that helps. Hope that helps, Carolyn. I, I can't really give you a definitive answer on that. I mean, there's no Bible verse that that says that, uh, you know, I mean, why why it's it's different. Uh, but but um I hope that I hope that sheds a little light on it, uh, oftentimes out of convenience. Hope that helps. It does. Can I ask another question? Sure. Um, so, um, you know, I see a lot of attention to, um, you know, casting out demons and such like that. I know the Catholic Church does a lot of exorcisms and such. Um, but my question is, um, when a demon is cast out, I mean, they're they're an eternal being. Where do they go? I just don't, I, you know, it's, I think that sometimes I'm thinking, okay, you know, I, I really commend the Catholic Church for seeing that there's spiritual warfare and such like that. But all of these, you know, demons are being released. Where are they going? Well, the Bible tells us that, that demons are territorial. In fact, Jesus said when a spirit goes out of a man, uh, if something isn't placed in him instead, that demon will go out and get seven uh, uh, demons worse than himself and move back in. So uh, Jesus talking about the, the person's soul, his, his, his heart being clean and swept, uh, but they'll move back in. And so a person has to embrace Jesus Christ to keep them from coming back. Yes, demons are real. Now, again, as you look at at some of these movies that were made, uh, you know, uh, you know, in the last 20, 30 years on demon possession, you know, Linda Blair and all, you, you see these and, and, you know, it's by the name of Jesus, they're adjured. Uh, and I believe this is what's so important. Now, again, um, I believe God puts in every human being a natural defense against demonic forces. But when we weaken that, either through drugs, either through drunkenness, either through um, the occult, Ouija boards, tarot cards, that that pathway, I believe we open the door where demons then can, uh, because that person's natural defense has been broken down, move into a person and then the demons have a body in which they can do their dastardly stuff. Now, again, we remember not all demons are shrieking demoniacs like we find when Jesus crossed over the Sea of Galilee and there was a man who met him who had many devils and they went into the pigs and all. But there are some that are what called familiar spirits where there's a familiarity about them. Um, and we remember um, in the Bible, this woman who was possessed with the spirit of fortune telling brought her masters a lot of money by 
uh, her ability to tell fortunes. But when the demon was cast out of her, she could no longer tell the fortunes anymore. And her uh, owners were angry and drug the apostles into court to uh, bring charges against them for wrecking their business. Now, again, we, we see that Jesus said they will go out and and it appears that they are somewhat territorial. I believe different demons do different things. I do believe that there are demons that um, motivate suicide. Uh, I believe that there are uh, demons who uh, get control of a person's emotions, feelings, habits, and all. Certainly Mary Magdalene was a good illustration of that, who had devils cast out of her, and she was a prostitute. So your your thoughts, Tim? Yes, I would definitely agree with that. And I would add to that, you know, demons are spiritual beings. So whenever they leave a person, they're seeking another physical form, physical manifestation. So I think probably one way to look at it is we just got to, as Mike said, we've got to make sure God is in us because if God is in us, the devil can't enter because God is much stronger Jesus gives the parable about the strong man and the stronger man. So, you know, a Christian cannot be demon possessed, but we can be oppressed. And I I would also say that for people that are demonized, that maybe have issues, you know, I think that deliverance ministry is a certain gift set and we got to be careful of that. Some people can abuse that as we see on TV and, but I I do think it's a, it's just like everyone has a certain gift set. So be careful about entering into a realm that maybe God hasn't gifted you, but you can definitely pray for people who have that. Uh, demons existed in the New Testament and they're still around. And as Mike said, they're, they're organized. You know, Satan's got his principalities and powers. And these are military terms, meaning that they're in ranks, they're ordered. And some demons are more powerful than others. So we got to just keep ourselves close to God and pray for our loved ones that as Mike said, they would stay away from certain things that would open the doors for spirits and things that we don't want to happen to our loved ones. Hope that helps. Hope it does. Thank you so much for that. I was reading about how um, in one particular area, Jesus goes over and there were two men who were, um, you know, possessed. And then, you know, Jesus freed them of that. And then it says the whole town asked them to leave. And I was like, Lord, you know, just really, uh, normally I don't think about this, not at all, but I just was reading about it and I was like, you know, what would make a whole city ask Jesus to leave? And when their was, pigs went off the cliff and ruined the, the probably a principal uh, source of income there, up there, I've been there, uh, where that cliff is uh, on the north uh, east side of the Sea of Galilee, I've been there. And it's the only place, on, really, honestly, in the whole Sea of Galilee where this could have happened. Uh, and they wanted him to come out. Uh, uh, they wanted him to leave because he was wrecking their pork business, you might say. Carolyn, stay in line. We're out of time. Hey, thanks so much, uh, Tim, for being on with us today. Yes, Pastor Mike. God bless you all. All those online callback will put you on first thing tomorrow. Or write us to Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. 
Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 